Alyssa Romano is the founder of an innovative therapeutic model in Portland, Oregon called Home Wellness PDX. In this episode, you'll hear about the gaps in the mental health system that inspired Alyssa to create Home Wellness and how you can identify deeper layers of your own self-acceptance. This is the Supergivers Podcast. So we were just speaking a second ago about this being the first time that we're meeting each other and sometimes that's the case with my guests and oftentimes not. So I'd love to sort of use that to our advantage and maybe just learn something about you and who you are, you know, in terms of your values and what's driving you in your world right now, if you're willing. Hmm. Yeah, please. Uh, it seems like good timing, especially because it's the beginning of 2019 mm. and I get pretty emotional and almost like sentimental around the end of year and the beginning of a new year. It's like a big swift kick, a loving one, but definitely a kick to just make sure I'm in touch with what matters. So I sort of, there's like this you know, question that arises where I'm almost unconsciously asking myself, how are things, you know, Mm. are you doing what you really want to be doing? And are you treating people well? And are you with the right people? And, you know, all of those sorts of questions. And uh, I think usually the themes of what matters to me stay the same, Um, Throughout the years, I've been definitely very connected to relationships and community and people. And, you know, that's been in the realm of family and then friendships and romantic relationships and then um, kind of more subtle than that relationships with people who, you know, I live around and live with, with people that I work with. Uh, with clients through counseling and yoga, other realms. So I think that'd probably be the top value of mine is um, just connecting with other people and making sure that I'm like awake and present when I'm relating to people and sharing of myself, but also receiving of them. So I'd say that's definitely still at the very top and then you know that of course connects to other important and meaningful parts of life like the place that I'm living in I think place is a big one for me Um, and what people do there and and what they believe in how diverse it is it's interesting uh, for me now living in Portland And being from Miami and the East Coast and living in New York, where it's much more diverse. And so in Portland, um, I've definitely made a home here. And at the same time there, I think I have the value to uh, kind of diversify my circles and, um, you know, the way that I either relate to people or even work with them Um, and of course connecting to the greater ways that as a 
as a city, we're um, standing up for, you know, what we believe in and for what's happening in the world and kind of evolving or not evolving. I don't know if that is getting too big, but um, I'd say like the cultural health is definitely a, a related value of mine. And you, as far as I can tell, have created this incredible or co-founded this incredible <laughs> organization, Home Wellness PDX. As you're talking, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing and guessing that some of the core values you live by have inspired this organization. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. It's a new, it's interesting because home wellness is a new concept, but it has very old bones. I think for me, therapy and being a counselor was always kind of there. I knew early on that I wanted to work with people and then through various organizations and activities I was a part of, I started becoming more interested in mental health and movement and I became a yoga teacher and got my master's in counseling and I I just, even to this day when I'm totally over it, I still think this is all I can do and there's nothing else. Like there's just no way that I feel I could find something else I'm supposed to do in in the world, in this life. So I really do feel um, called to being someone who helps people see the kind of setup of our lives, like what we're here to do, and then how we can do it in a way that's ideally most enjoyable and fulfilling and really matters to us. So I think early on I was, you know, playing matchmaker with friends and um, if I met someone and I thought, oh, they might be interested in this person, not just, again, romantically, but um, as a friend or for an idea that they had and to create, I would I would like to connect them. And so I, I basically don't have a friend in my life who doesn't know all of my friends, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I, I run in these different circles and each and every one of my friends knows each other because I've connected them. So that's a big calling of mine is to get people in touch with each other and to really be intimate in settings maybe where they don't think intimacy necessarily belongs because they're ordering coffee or they're on their phone or they don't think they like that person or, you know, they should only be talking about this instead of what what's really going on for them. So I like to sort of smash through all that and be maybe a little bold at times and help people, help myself, help all of us really find that spark and and have meaningful moments. I would love to have you share a little bit more about how the home wellness PDX model goes beyond. Well, all of that is lovely sentiment and I can totally get behind it. I, I really see that your organization is taking a, an important step in the realm of human development uh, and wellness. So I'd love to hear Mm. more about what you provide because I think it is powerful and unique. Thank you. Yes, the more of the structure and the depth 
I, as I said, so I am a licensed professional counselor, got my master's and I've been doing individual therapy and group therapy in a variety of settings for uh, the past six years now. And so through that, and then also through yoga teaching and yoga community, um, and like I said, this desire to connect people. I co-founded Home Wellness with my partner. His name's Kevin. And he's also a counselor and a life coach. And so, you know, I think it was a response, at least at the time for me, when we started running events and workshops with the name Home Wellness, which was really only about a year and change ago. At the time, I think it was a response to just sort of being a little bit disappointed, let's say, with the reach of therapy because I kept finding myself sitting in this square, right, this box leading therapy sessions with people who generally were working their asses off. And I was working really hard, too. And we'd make the magic happen, but then it, it kept feeling like there was a limit and like I wanted to almost follow them around in their lives in order to get a little bit further and really, really make the change that we were trying so hard to do together on a couch without actually being in their lives. So I just kept feeling that disconnection, you know, i I'd be at work or I'd be at yoga or I'd be with certain friends and I'd be talking about what mattered to me. And then it felt like at a certain point that was over. And now, you know, the thing to go do was like go to the bar and have a drink. And that was just still kind of following me around, even though I was very past it and didn't feel that it was substantial and fulfilling. So I had this this thought that, you know, having events, workshops, different things going on that were fun and invigorating and intimate, but also special and, um, you know, oriented around spirituality and wellness and health and self-care could be something that... Um, people would be really interested in, not just, let's say, when they were seeking mental health services, but in their day-to-day, like maybe even, dare I say, on their Friday nights, you know, that's what I was really after in coming up with this idea. So I think it's sort of like bridging the gap between the clinical mental health system and our social lives almost who has access to this service because I, I hear that as an important value for you just inclusion mm-hmm. it is it's a good question i think it's still being answered mm. uh, my my gut reaction is to say everyone you know and it, it is that way that's that's how it's been and and everyone really is welcome to partake and be part of, you know, I think the only requirement is a desire. What is the trend and the tendency? I think it tends to be, you know, middle-aged 
people. I'm seeing a lot of people my age, obviously. I'm about to be 30. I've tended to work with a variety of clients of all different ages, but I think in terms of who is after more of these experiences that are around wellness and self-care and self-exploration and self-growth, but are also fun and social um, and a little more lighthearted and a little less serious and reactive. I think I'm seeing this kind of age range between like late 20s to maybe, I don't know, late 40s. So that range is not, at least age-wise, you know, barricaded. I I would love for everyone to be involved. And I think with time, um, probably there can be different happenings for different age groups because, you know, we all we all relate, but at the same time, we all have different nuances depending on what, what season of life we're in. Um, and then I think, you know, related to other um, identities or, um, you know, cultural or socioeconomic factors, race, ethnicity. I'm going for diversity and a variety. I am white, um, but I'm, again, from Miami, and I've just grown up and fallen in love with a variety of people throughout my years. So I have a lot of Hispanic friends. I have a lot of Black friends. I think that, um, you know, Portland has a small diverse population but it's there and so we've had people of all different races be involved um, in our events and I think also just in terms of economics I'm wanting to make what we're doing and and any wellness activity workshop event even an individual session affordable so that there it's not a reason um, why it can't be a priority, right? Maybe a workshop costs the same as two drinks at a bar. And actually it does <laughs> mm. because we tend to price our, our workshops at 20 bucks. We also have lots of free events. Like we have a slew of free events coming up. One actually this Sunday to start the new year. And so, yeah, I really want to make it something that people can just be excited about and not have to feel like it's a huge expense and and also give them less reason to have an excuse Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so a variety would be the long-winded answer to that question yeah and I, i as we're meeting each other i don't know if you know that i've been a lpc in private practice for about 10 years now I read that. Okay. Okay. And I only mention that in the context of trying to understand what creates more access for people. That's mm. been a, a big subject, you know, especially in the U S um, seems like it comes up full force whenever there's a, you know, a shooting, people want to discuss mental health, which, you know, mm. I have, I have lots of 
<laughs> conflicting opinions about that, but at least it brings up the conversation about um, mm-hmm. access to mental health. So I'm curious to know how you're creating access and not even to get too deep into the weeds of your business, but just mm-hmm. what you think about that concept. Where are the bridges possible here in this world for people to utilize services? Because even if somebody can afford $20 or, or a free event and they can find a way to get there, it's, it's often not the only barrier, right? So true. Yes, I think it's one of the obvious ones, you know? Yes. Um, and so if you, if you do a good job at making that accessible, then, you know, it comes down to a variety of things. I think it's also working with stigma, um, so helping to continue to really demyth and explain the process of something like wellness therapy, counseling. I think self-care is like a coveted kind of popular word now that people are more comfortable using. Mm. Um, have you so found have you found that to be true in in feedback? I have. I mean, I think in terms of friends and other relationships, and I also see college students at the University of Portland, and I mean, even on social media, people will <laughs> mm. won't they hashtag self care and um, yeah, I think that that kind of concept is becoming more popular, but the depth still needs to grow. A lot of times I think self-care is referring to like a bubble bath, which is lovely. I, I really like those too. Don't, don't knock them. Yep. <laughs> Especially <laughs> you <know>? with Epsom salt. <laughs> I know those crazy bath bombs. They're so, <laughs> so luxurious. <laughs> yeah. So after a three hour bath, you know, I think there are further ways to take, care of yourself and I I mean I think it all means the same thing there there's just historically such judgment around therapy and and I think that is partially because it's been somewhat reactive instead of a preventative or just a natural part of what we do as people to feel good in the world, you know. As you were as you were speaking, I just looked it up because I was intrigued. Um, mm. At least on, bath bombs. No, but I'll look up that one next. Uh, <laughs> according to Instagram, <laughs> self care was hashtagged ten point seven million times, and therapy wow. was hashtagged four point five million times. So, um, roughly wow. roughly forty percent. Yeah. Proving your your point. Right. Okay, good. See, and that's kind of wild because my understanding, at least, would be that therapy has probably been a term used longer than self-care, right? Yet it's way behind it. So this is interesting. I'm I'm just going to interject here because I didn't anticipate us arriving here, though I'm actually feeling excited. Great. Um, you can certainly redirect if you want, but I, you know, I'm more and more cognizant of the fact that the whole realm of psychotherapy was invented by, you know, scholarly middle-aged white (laughs) Europeans, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Um, at least in the beginning, the ideology of it. And I've, I've been fortunate to work with 
several clients of color and most of them are sort of aware of the cultural bias against therapy or, or I shouldn't say bias, but like sort of an, an innate disconnect. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's like one even said, like, this is just, you know, for white people, it was made by white people. It's like a made up thing that, and this is someone who's coming to do it. <laughs> right. So I can only imagine, you know, the disconnect grows from people who wouldn't even come in the office. But I wonder mm-hmm. as we, as we look into all the, the other elements of self-care that are under the umbrella there, um, you know, you and I both are involved in the, seems like in, in a number of them, um, especially with your organization. So I'm just get curious about how to, you know, as white people, um, you and I, how do we create bridges? Yeah, no, it's a super important, awesome question. I, I'm also interested, excited about, and curious in it, in speculating. I don't think I could answer it, but I do think that it's at least somewhat honorable to to care about that. And, you know, I also wouldn't want to answer that question as a white person. I think the, right. the right people to answer it are people of color or whatever, you know, people were talking about that maybe have not had access to a therapy where they have seen themselves, felt belonging, felt um, like they were understood or helped or, right, like it was for them. Right, yeah. So I think that primarily those are the people we need to really seek out and ask and listen to and then put systems, put practices, put on events and workshops, um, you know, do all of that, have it in place so that it can start to to take off. But, you know, I, I think at least in a simple way, making relationships with diverse people is important to me so Mm. I have even within the small Portland pool I I kind of um, very playfully go over my group of friends with my partner and we talk about how diverse it is and and that makes us really happy you know Mm -hmm. we're like look we have you know, we have our Hispanic friends and we have our Asian friends and and we have, right, like all of these different people that we know and we learn from and we love and we, we get to have not only relationships with, but um, that we get to be influenced by. So I think that would be the, the first thing maybe is just continuing to talk to people and get to know people who are different from us Mm. and um, ask them also what is it that you need what is it that you know you're interested in that um, would feel helpful or would suit you or would totally light you up in the realm of wellness let's say in the realm of therapy um, so I think it's a little bit of that and, and then continuing to chip away at stigma. Like I'm very 
uh, intent on responding if I hear people make comments or just reinforce these archaic ideas around either mental health or certain diagnoses or certain language that they use or, um, you know, things that they do or don't do, like body image is a huge one and the way we eat and talk about food and all of that is I'm really, really, I get very fiery when I hear <laughs> comments made that are kind of continuing to draw out this old paradigm that does not serve anyone at all. What's what's so, a, what's a stigma that you get most fiery about that you'd love hmm. to provide some gentle education for the public on right, <laughs> <Gentle>. right now? <laughs> yeah, gentle education. Oh gosh, I could say so much. I am a big advocate around eating and body health and relationship. I have specialized working with clients with eating disorders, and that really came from so many relationships that I had, primarily with women, but definitely with a variety of people with various genders. But yeah, I think, you know, my my short plea would be to to finally stop dieting like I know (laughs) for sure so many resolutions right now for 2019 (laughs) are starting off right with like do this cleanse or lose weight or drop the pounds or so many people are swearing off certain foods that they've been eating during the holiday season to you know clear themselves out somehow and and be supposedly good and I just think we're so we're, we've become to no fault of our own but kind of by the masses fault by influence we've become just so extreme with our ideas around food and so limited with our ideas around bodies and what they should look like and what they should do or not do and uh, I just think it's such a disaster and it it makes so many of us miserable like very miserable and talking about things that are absolutely not important so my I guess that's not gentle anymore but my plea would be I think to really try to free ourselves up when it comes to food relationships and you know to know that really it's about coming back to diversity uh it's about having things and then not having things it's about balance but that doesn't mean compensation you know doing things because you're interested in them so you don't have to exercise by going on the treadmill you can go to a belly dancing class you know if you love cookies and have cookies and then make yourself a nice kale salad right 
Like it sounds so much less pleasure pleasurable. (laughs) Does it the nice kale salad? (laughs) You had me on the cookies, and then I was like, "Oh, do I have to?" That's just that's just illuminating my my food stories. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But like all things, I think we just get into this idea that it should be this way, and only this is acceptable or good, and and it's all really untrue when you delve into it. It sounds like you're making a connection between the pursuit of yeah, moral integrity and self-compassion. Mm. Um, when you say like, you know, if I'm going to be good or if I've been bad versus, yeah. versus the permission to be a little more connected with, with joy. And mm. there's almost the way you speak about that. It almost feels like freedom. Mm-hmm. in the way of living yes okay i don't want to get too far down the hole on that unless there's more you want to say about <laughs> I just... no okay you said you're going to be 30 this year yeah mm-hmm. so yes. so if you if you can get mindful enough to kind of imagine your, yeah if you can get yourself in a place of imagining you at 39 10 years from now mm. And let's say 10 years from now, people are coming up to you and saying, boy, Alyssa, home wellness has totally made an impact in the world this way, fill in the blank. In what way would you most love it to have an impact? Hmm. I would love to hear that people felt they could be part of something that was special and that mattered to them and that couldn't have taken place without them. You know, Hmm. I really, that part, I don't know if I've necessarily uncovered it before this moment with you so I love the question and thank you why why would this matter so much if you could get there Mm -hmm. with that level impact well I think a lot of us have sort of come to feel like cogs in a wheel (laughs) Even that statement, I just loathe. (laughs) It bothers me so much. (laughs) You know, I, when I, sometimes when I open a yoga class, I tell people to consider that they were not only supposed to be at that class, but that they are contributing to that class, even being a class and that, Without them, we wouldn't be whole as a class, if that makes sense. And I I think that's sort of the maybe most spiritual principle of what I'm after through home wellness is that I want for people to feel like they are irreplaceable and not only like they belong, but like they are needed and they're an integral part of that community and of 
their city and their family and their right like mm. of the world that feels like an essence of your business that i can really connect with that if, mm. if people not only received the benefit of the work you're doing but if they felt integral to their community in a contributing way whatever that means now we're into a whole other level of <laughs> yeah of of meaning and Mm -hmm. really sustainability in terms of relationship. Yeah. I swear I've never answered that question in that way, but it's been there. <laughs> so mm. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. Mm. You uncovered that. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like we want to feel like we're chosen and I think that's why we compete with each other so much and why we get so ugly and we have this scarcity mentality and there's all of the superiority inferiority that exists because we want to be important and we want to be chosen and I think that that's a very acceptable need of ours. We just have to find a better way to fulfill it. And I think it's possible for us to do that by being in relationship with each other and giving each other that, taking the time. You know, it's like there's enough, enough to go around. There's enough interest. There's enough listening there's enough support compassion love to go around i think that would be really healing for all of us to find there are abundant resources that get bigger the more we use them hmm yeah oh they do so let's let's end with this one mm. um it's 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 not an easy question i don't think but maybe it will be maybe you'll be better at it than i would so i'm thinking of the person who's maybe starting the year feeling a little discouraged possibly isolated and let's just say under resourced though you know i'm sure mm. we could claim that any of us is under resourced if we want to look hard enough or mm -hmm. look a certain way so what What's one thing that that person could do today to start living with more connection, more more contribution to community, the way that you're envisioning for home wellness? Hmm. I'd first say to that person, I know you and I see you, and you're okay, and to do something that's simple, but feels different. Different than, and the, their, than what their they've been norm. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then whatever the, the status quo that's depleting their soul has become <laughs> right. do something different than that but keep it simple don't change your life overnight don't you know meet 
80 different people and book 12 events, just choose one thing maybe that seems most possible, most interesting, and try to go and give it your all, but also be there for yourself if you're anxious instead of seeing that as a problem. Maybe see that as something that you need to be caring with, right? And connect with people who are available and open to you and hopefully kind, right? Like go where you're wanted instead of where you have maybe a fantasy that you should be. I love that. I'm going to write that down. Go where you're wanted. <laughs> Lovely. You know, find find the people who will who will treat you well and then treat them well, treat yourself well. Is there anything that you want to mention that we didn't get to? Yeah. I just want people to know that I'm here and open and, you know, that it, it really is, all of this is something that matters to me. And I know therapists, healers, coaches, all of our titles, we're, there's a lot of us for becoming abundant and I try to see that as a good thing. Um, but I also know that it can be overwhelming and a little bit much to maybe hear the same thing over and over. So if it would help to more personally connect, I'm always, always down for that. Always interested. So, so. if you're, if you're in the Portland area and you're listening, is the best way just to look up your info at homewellnesspdx.org? Yeah. Is that what it is? I'll put it, I'll put it in the notes. Com. Dot com. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Homewellnesspdx.com. My email is also just my name, Alyssa, at homewellnesspdx.com. So you can write me too. And yeah, we've got all the social media, the bane of my existence, but we're doing it <laughs> to stay connected. So you can reach out there too. Uh, are there ways for people to support you from afar? Are there, are there other ways to support what you're doing? Definitely. I always love support through ideas and inspiration so that's always welcome or just a supportive, um, you know, even message saying like, I love what you're doing. We also on a, on a more um, grounded level are going to be having weekend immersions. So a little bit different than if you were to come all the way out to Portland for an event or workshop that's one night, an immersion will take place over two to three days and so people could travel here for that stay with us even and attend whatever we're leading on that occasion um and you know other ways i i work with essential oils so purchasing essential oils is always helpful or hmm. um you know offering different connections with people who know things that i don't know or who, you know, could help support 
my growth or talk to me about an opportunity or um yeah just just help me stay in touch with with all of the places that I want to be in touch with well Alyssa thank you so much for mm-hmm. the conversation and especially for the really innovative and important work you're doing in the world thank you Jesse thank you as well and uh, I hope to connect with you again in the future it's been great right on To find out more about Alyssa's work, go to homewellnesspdx.com. My question for you is this. If you were to divert $20 of your own money into your personal well-being, what would you choose to give up for it? This has been the Supergivers Podcast, and I'm your host and producer, Jesse Johnson. To hear past episodes, you'll find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you're inspired enough to write a brief review on one of those platforms, please do. They help. You can learn more about me and my equine-based leadership work at supergivers.com. Thanks for listening.